ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. Week two of college football in the books. Week one, NFL going strong. Great day in NFL. We got a lot of games to go over. College football. Um, a few surprises yesterday to me we're going to talk about. And, um, you know, not a good day for my Auburn Tigers. We're going to talk about that game in detail. Um, what went wrong, I can sum it up. And uh, it's easy. Defensive line for Clemson. What was the difference in the game and play calling? We'll talk about that game. Oklahoma, Ohio State. We're going to hone in on that. Notre Dame, Georgia. I know there's one fan out there that's probably depressed. That's Quinn Thomas. He He's used to coming on this show. We'll see what he's got to say tonight about his two teams. Washington or USC Stanford. I nailed that game. It was... Uh, Exactly what I said it would be, what I thought it would be. So USC played terrible last week. They came back and beat a, a Stanford team. It's just not that great, you know. I mean, it's early in the season, and we're going to talk about what these games mean right now after two weeks. Is it time to panic if you're Auburn? Is it time to panic if you're Notre Dame? Is it time to panic if you're Ohio State? And, and and we're going to find out what you think. I want to know what you think. I want to know what all the fans think out there because this. This is, uh, to me, it's not time to panic for some teams since it's week two. But you do find out when you play these teams early. When you play good teams early, especially on the road, you're going to find out every weakness you have and list Auburn's weaknesses. And I felt bad for Jarrett Stidham. He um, did that destroy his confidence for the rest of the season. We're going to find out. But it's – it's one of these things that I'm about to start buying into and just forgetting it. Jared Stidham, I bought into the hype because I thought he was a good quarterback, and he may be. I think he still is, but Gus Malzahn cannot call offense without having a dual-threat quarterback. That's just the truth. Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, total domination from the defenses of those teams. And and that's just the way it is. Is it time for Gus Malzahn to go about that tonight? And I just – I think think it's close. I, I don't see Gus Malzahn getting anybody better. Coach that never makes adjustments. A coach that never admits he's wrong and a coach that lies his ass off. Gus Malzahn at Auburn, um, not very fun when you – I don't like people that lie. And I know coaches tell, well, just don't say anything. Don't lie. Nobody likes a liar, especially not me. Uh, I can't stand it. But we're going to talk about this week, too. And um, there's a team out there that I've been – there's two teams out there that I tell people to slow your roll on, to, to ease up. And there's three. Clemson's one of them. I don't think they're that good. I think they have a good deal. But they're very beatable. And I think Louisville will show you that this weekend. Ohio State is a team that I told people, until they can show me vertical, they can throw the – I just it's hard to pick up, you know, the point spread this week was like eight. Vegas, the perception is Ohio State's this great team. You know, I thought Ohio State was gonna win until last night when I took it at seven. I, it went down, I took Oklahoma plus seven and the money line and Baker Mayfield, probably the best quarterback in college football, led Oklahoma in there, uh, to take care of business. That's the second team. The third team, Stanford. Slow your roll, people. Yes, you beat Rice by 60 week one. Congratulations. But when you play a team 
as athletic and as talented as USC, Stanford always folds. And it's it's just like, why do we have to keep going through this? Why do I, why do I as a fan, you got to – I love doing radio, and I try to be as neutral as I can, but we're all fans of something. So why do I myself as a fan through torture think that Gus Malzahn can change? Why do I think all of a sudden that JT Barrett can throw the ball down? Uh, I mean, ever proven it? No. That's the problem I have. You keep waiting for things to change, and they're not going to change unless you change them or unless something else changes. Here's the deal. Urban Meyer can't win without Tom Herman Dan Mullen. That's proven. Okay. Screw that. Urban Meyer, they act like he's this god for college football. The guy can recruit and, and lie and bullshit with the best of them. Congratulations, Urban Meyer. But you can't coach football, buddy. You cannot outcoach anybody that's anywhere near your level of talent on the field. Uh, that's just You put Bobby Petrino at Ohio State, they'd probably never lose the game with that kind of talent. But yet Urban Meyer gets dominated week in and week out when he plays teams a little less talented. Most teams are less talented than Ohio State. But it's it's just true. You have a quarterback. You look at what Clemson did to Urban Meyer in Ohio State last year, beat him like 33 to nothing or something in the playoff game. Ohio State shouldn't have been in that playoff. But they got in again, and they got their ass whipped. Okay, that's that's how easy it is to say Ohio State. Oh, yeah, they they struggled against Indiana. Everybody said, oh, they're overlooking them uh, because they have to play Oklahoma. No, the bottom line is in college football, number one is your quarterback. Well, number one, I think it's number one, your offensive line, two is your coach, and three is your quarterback in college football. And, And you know what? Baker Mayfield and that Oklahoma team, they have the better quarterback. They have the better offensive line. I mean, is Lincoln Riley a better coach than Urban Meyer? Doubt it, but, you know, two out of the three they have. And, oh, I'm just tired of hearing about how great Ohio State is. I saw, I've seen polls this week before this game that was showing that Ohio State was number one ahead of Alabama. What in God's name did Ohio State do to, to, to dethrone Clemson, to dethrone Alabama? Nothing. And, and I want to talk about that tonight. What What is it going to take us as fans and as people, and instead of putting yourself in a fan's perspective, how do, how do you look at, at sports? What, what, what's your breaking point? Because mine's getting close when it comes to being a fan. I'm tired of seeing the same old crap every week, and I'm tired of eight and four, seven and five seasons, and I'm tired of coach talk. Coach Speak is the worst thing in the world. You hear from Saban all the time. You hear from Malzahn, Urban Meyer. Hell, Brett Bielema is about the only one that doesn't do it. Yesterday, he threw his kicker under the bus uh, for losing by three touchdowns to TCU. Yeah, it's your kicker's fault that you got your ass whipped at home by TCU 28-7. Yeah, that extra point really went a long way than that other field goal. So there's four points, guys. I don't know, 21-4, and I just can't. I can't see which one's a bigger number. Can you? So, Brett Bielema throws his players under the bus. Uh, Gus Malzahn doesn't tell the truth. Gus Malzahn said he's not calling plays anymore. Outline's calling plays last night. Everybody in the world is just I mean, the same thing. The media in college football and in the NFL, we'll talk about that. The Patriots are going 16-0 and or 
whatever it is, and they're never going to lose a game this year, and they come out and get skull drugged the first game at home. The media is telling so many people so many things that Vegas is having trouble with their point spreads. I mean, the media is so up Ohio State's butt that that Vegas had to put Ohio State as a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite because so many people to this, and you've been listening to it for almost a year now, how great Ohio State is. And that's what we've heard ever since they got beat to hell and back. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised. I wonder where they went in the polls. If I'm, if I'm guessing, Ohio State probably went up a, a spot in the polls after losing like that. But we'll, we'll try. I saw the new coaches poll out or the AP poll, and I'm not being able to pull it up right now. But I want to see the new polls that, that are out. I want to see. Auburn went went down from they dropped from thirteen to fifteen. They didn't look like a top fifteen team tonight. And you you, you hear some of these fans are saying, "Oh, we went to number three on the road." Who cares? I mean, you can't even get a first down. Why are you ranking the top fifteen? But I get why Auburn stayed in the top fifteen. It's not it's not a, a mystery. I mean, you you lost by eight points to number three. I get it. But I think the AP poll goes right here. They put Oklahoma at two, um, Alabama one, Oklahoma two, Clemson three, USC four, Penn State five, Washington six, Michigan seven. But here it is, guys, the AP. Ohio State at home gets their ass handed to them. And they they drop four or five places or six places. That's not enough, man. I don't, and now they boost Oklahoma up to number two ahead of Clemson, actually, because just to, to justify Ohio State stand up in the top eight. So you're telling me that, that Ohio State is better than Oklahoma State. You're saying they're better than Wisconsin. You're saying they're better than Florida State, which I'll say that, but they're not. But LSU, 2-0. and Georgia, 2-0. and Went to South Bend and won. So you're still putting – Ohio State beat Indiana, struggled to beat Indiana, and they got skull drug last night. But yet they're a top eight team. That's that's what I don't understand. Stanford gets mutilated, and they drop five places. Auburn is actually loses by eight. They drop two. I don't know if, if you could put Auburn ahead of Virginia Tech right now, or Kansas State or Miami, but I can I can put Auburn ahead of Stanford. Florida still ranked at zero and one. That's a joke. UCLA is barely ranked at 25th at 2-0. and But let's let's just look for a minute at the coaches' poll. The coaches' poll dropped from seven places, Ohio State nine. And and what I don't understand is we, we this is not the ninth week of the season and they lost the game. This is after two weeks. You see Ohio State struggle losing at home to Indiana. Or in Indiana, they were on the road. But then they come home, a, a national spotlight, and they get dominated by a team in Oklahoma. I, I'm sorry, everybody, but this is insane. If you if you actually think Ohio State's a top ten team in the country, you're smoking crack. The best thing that I saw last night, Baker Mayfield, go into the middle of their field and drive it home right there, just to show them, look, guys, you're nothing. Ohio State is so hyped up, and I've I've I heard a couple of. Vegas handicappers talking about it. They're like, my God, I mean, we could put it at nine and people are still going to bet on Ohio State. But in my mind, I was thinking, God, Oklahoma is a better team. How 
how is Ohio State going to throw the football? How are they going to do that? But you know what? That point spread got me, you know, got in my head. But if you're a top eight team, you don't get outscored 28 to 13 in the second half at home to lose. It's 3-3 at halftime. And, again, Urban Meyer looks like Gus Malzahn. No adjustments. Oklahoma made the adjustments. This is this is uh, JT Barrett's 10th year. He threw 183 yards, uh, 19 to 35. I mean, they're they're terrible. 167 rushing yard, 172 passing yard, 339 total. Oklahoma 477. So, it, it, the bottom line is the media. Be careful. And and I'm not. I don't include myself in the media. I do this because I like it, not because I have to. But Sonny, I see you on there. I'm going to bring you on just a second. Quinn, um, I know you're depressed, buddy. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Well, I don't know if you if you're if you're listening to what I'm talking about. Do you agree with anything I'm saying? Or are you are you halfway? What what do you agree with that I'm saying? What do you not agree with? Well, I think. I think we still need to give Malzahn the chance to see if no. if this if this offense improves. No, but here's the deal, Quinn. Here, here's what's going to happen. I've seen this. They they're going to beat Mercer. They're going to beat their chest. They beat Mercer. They're going to squeeze by Missouri on the road. They're going to beat Ole Miss or something. They're going to lose to Mississippi State. But just say they do beat Mississippi State when they play LSU when they play Georgia, when they play Alabama, how are they going to win these games? How is that offense going to improve enough to win? That's, that's what I want to know. What is he going to do? Because the guy can't make adjustments. And you know what Clemson did last night, Quinn? They brought one linebacker, sometimes two, Clemson blitz every down in that second half. What did Gus Malzahn do? Not a damn thing. No. Almost got his quarterback killed. That's so you think no Gus – so you think Gus was play calling? Yeah, I know he was. You know he was for yeah. sure. Well, Quinn, I've been watching this offense for seven years, and uh, just about yeah. yeah, it was him. That wasn't Chip Lindsey. I've I've watched Chip Lindsey's offense. It's it's different. It's dynamic. It's it's unpredictable. This why offense isn't he, is Gus Why is why isn't he giving the keys to Chip, and why would Chip come in? Because Gus Malzahn's ego is bigger than anybody that I've seen in college football. The guy, is, he's got a an inferiority complex. He's a high school coach. He cannot make adjustments, and, and that's it. His conditions were this. To stay on as Auburn coach this year, he had to get rid of Rhett Lashley that was done. Rhett Lashley went on to coach at uh, Connecticut to be the offensive coordinator. But he had to hand the offense over, hand the keys over, and stay out of it. That's why he stayed in special teams a lot in the spring and the fall. But last night, Gus Malzahn was calling those plays. And he's great for a first drive. Gus Malzahn can, can drive the ball down the field for the first drive. But after that, when Clemson's like, okay, good job, Auburn. You're up on a six to nothing you're not even going to get a first down hardly anymore. That's where Gus Malzahn struggles. And, Quinn, you looked at it at Florida State in the national championship game in 13. Auburn was up big in that game, 21-3, to ended up choking it away because Gus didn't know how to adjust. You look at it last year, Vanderbilt couldn't adjust. We won because of their Vanderbilt. Georgia 
score one touchdown on the first drive, never score again. Alabama, don't get in the end zone. Oklahoma, get a touchdown on the first drive, and we suck the rest of the game and get blown out. Clemson, we didn't get blown out, but but the thing is, if you hold Clemson to 14 points in Death Valley, uh, I think you should win that game, and we score six points. He never adjusted, and that's why I'm saying when he plays teams that are good with big physical defensive lines, good defenses, good coaches, he can't do it. I mean, that's why 9-3, and 8-4 and four is coming. And I know our offense is going to get better, but it's not going to get good enough to, to beat some of the top ten teams in the country, I don't think. The play calling was horrible. They abandoned the run in the second half. They acted like we were down by 14 points. And he stopped the run. We were starting to wear him down. And then he stopped running the ball. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. And see, see, that's how doing? I knew it was Gus Malzahn's call. That's how I knew it was Gus Malzahn's uh, call. It was, like you said, Auburn's running the ball. Sonny just dropped off, so Sonny, come back in if you uh, if you get a chance. But here's how I know it was Gus Malzahn, because, you, like you said, they're dominating, right? Looking good. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it's like second and three, and he does a double reverse flea flicker. And um, and and then it just turns from there, Quinn. I mean, the momentum in that game, the defense of Auburn, is better than Clemson. I think it's it's a, it's a better defense that I saw out there last night. Both of them are f- fantastic, but I like Auburn's defense a little bit better. It's a little more nasty, I think Auburn's is. But you, you, Auburn bailed the team out last night multiple times. That game could have easily gotten out of hand for Auburn. I mean, if it wasn't for that defense. Making a stand, Auburn would have lost twenty-eight to three, or twenty-eight to yeah. six. But here's but here's Gus's problem, Quinn. You get down in the red zone. Guess what? Field goals. He got down to the one-yard line. Gets a delay a game, and has to kick a field goal. He gets a kick. I mean, he just. I just don't agree with him, man. I mean, I think he took the delay a game on purpose because he's he's. Uh, he was scared to go for it. He didn't want his fans to think he was a coward, so he got a five-yard penalty and said, well, now we've got to kick it. But the guy has no balls. That's the thing about Gus Malzahn. He's predictable. I mean, it's 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 sad to see an offensive line that bad. Well, One the that was thing supposed to be that, in the top in the country. Terrible. Well, the thing that I think will help is if, is if they can figure out the offensive line. If they can figure out I mean, they might have the right group, just they might need to switch positions around. But if they can figure out the offensive line, I think that'll help a lot. But, well, gotta, I mean, people were time. trying to blame Stidham. I don't blame really any of it on Stidham. I blame it on – Well, he uh, made some bad play. decisions. Yeah. He made some terrible decisions, Quinn, last night. And I think the reason he did is because – if you get hit that many times, you're going to start doubting yourself. You're going to start um, hearing footsteps. You got sacked 11 times. I know there's a couple of times, Quinn, he could have taken the ball upfield instead of getting sacked. I mean, but here's the problem for Jarrett Stidham is he hadn't played in two years, and the game's just – he's a second slow, and that's what I was watching him last night. His decision-making as a quarterback – and it was probably because it was on the road, too, and it's, it's a great defense you're playing. But he's a second slow. Against Georgia Southern, he can make up for it because of talent and, 
and the difference in talent. But I'm telling you, against Cl- being a second slow Quinn can be the difference between winning or winning. It can be the difference between 30-yard play for a completion or a sack for losing 10 yards. And and it's not Jarrett Stidham's fault at all. Like you said, it's, the offensive line was terrible. The play calling was terrible. There's got to be a way if you're Auburn, you got to get a ball in the end zone to be able to, to try to win that game. And that's what bothers me the most. Stidham took a beating last night. Will that be good in the future for him? I mean, is that something great? I don't know, man. I don't know how tough this kid is. I don't know. I don't know much about him, but I do know this. He kept coming every time where I know some people that would just say to hell with it. Let's ask Sonny Clark real quick. I mean, Sonny, uh, as soon as I put you on, you, you your phone cut out, I guess. But did yeah. you watch Auburn and Clemson last night at all? No, I didn't watch the the, the game, uh, mainly because I was doing two and three things at once. But I I did go back and I watched the uh, the highlights of the game. Am I am and, I out of out of bounds here for one? For I don't think Gus Malzahn can coach with the upper echelon teams. I don't think beat these coaches or they have big physical defense. I don't remember them ever doing it. Yeah, I. The the problem I think is what you're going to have to deal with, especially as being a fan of the team, is that I think right now, just for the last, what, two, three years, I mean, we've been talking about Auburn not being able to, you know, stand up, get up the snuff with what's going on. And I think it's a combination of a couple things. Number one, the personnel hadn't been there for a while. And then second of all, once they start getting the personnel – then they the only thing they haven't done is change their coaching. Uh, it, it seems to be the same. I mean, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong. You're looking at that team, and you're seeing the same team that you saw two years ago. Okay, so nothing has changed as far as coaching. Now, obviously, the personnel has changed because it's in and out, and you know they graduate, and move on. Um, I, I think you're going to have to find the strengths of your teams and coach a different way. I think I'm right there with you as far as where they're at. And and I look at them, and and I'm just here's what I'm afraid of: Gus Malzahn and Auburn. They've really done a great job the last four or five recruiting top ten classes. Look at that team; the defense is top in the country. There's no doubt about it. But here's the deal: How many quarterbacks are you going to be able to get to come to Auburn when to destroy these quarterbacks? I mean, Stidham. Uh, a rock star, really, the status. Hell, he's he's a Heisman Trophy finalist before he even makes takes a snap. And and I think Sonny and you're an athlete too, and, and you know what I'm talking about, Quinn. You do too. Is when you miss something for two years, especially like a quarterback position, everything happens fast in college football, and it's faster in the NFL. But if you're if you're just sitting around scrimmaging with high school kids, right, and you're you've got all the mechanics, you've got all the tools, you've got the brain, then all of a sudden you're playing against SE like Clemson's a, a big time program. Don't you think the speed's going to be an issue for you as a quarterback if you haven't played in two years? Absolutely. And all of a sudden they're throwing bullets at you. So why did Auburn not go live with him at some kind of practice before just to get people comfortable? Auburn is not comfortable in their own skin right now. And it's I know it's early in the season, but Stidham is a brave. When I watched him last night and I went back and watched the replay, this guy didn't want to get hit. 
And that's not good and as the quarterback. Nobody wants to get hit, but you can't go out there hearing footsteps because that's what he did last night, and I think he started falling apart. And, and that's a very – there's a couple of things with that. When you see a quarterback that doesn't want to get hit, he doesn't trust his offensive line. All right, and, and because why? That's a gun-shy thing. That means he knew it was coming. That you know, and when you don't have confidence, <laughs> listen, this is Auburn, okay? This is not like you're, you know, Delaware or you know, you know, Indiana State. You know, it, it's not like that. These, you're a big time school. You put your big boy pants on, okay, and get get ready to get dirty because that's what this game is, especially with, with, right there. Now, that having been said, he's got, you know, if you're getting hit a lot. You know, that's a problem. So, how much did he actually get hit? Because I didn't watch it, you know, last yeah, week. He got sacked know, 11 they, times. See, and that's in right there. And against the no team, but, you know, you want to know it's not a no team. Who did they play last week? They played Georgia Southern. Oh, yeah. So, a no, a no team. And, you know, and then you got a real team, you know, breathing down your throat. You know, Clemson is for real. Although they only scored 14 points, they better figure that out quick. Um, but at least they're for real. So when you when you get you know bombarded against a, get a team that doesn't have that, well, first of all, should not be in your league. Second of all, should not be getting to your quarterback. It tells you something about the offensive line, and that's going to be a struggle all year long. So if you're the quarterback, you better learn how to use your legs because he's going to be on the run all year long. And, and and Tarvin, six points, six points, Tarvin, and I don't care if it's Clemson. You got to you got to put at least fourteen nope. up on the board. I mean, so you got to so put touchdowns instead of field goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, and Quinn, Quinn will tell you when Quinn when Auburn gets in that red zone, it's like the play calling that goes to hell. And they end up taking you. You can't go on the road in Clemson. You hold Clemson to fourteen nope. points, you should win. But but you can't keep getting inside the five yard line and kicking field goals and expect to win against <clears throat> big time opponents. And Gus Malzahn, uh, a couple of years ago, went to Tuscaloosa, put up six hundred yards, kicked about seventeen field goals, and got to the pass. I mean, it's it's getting old seeing this. But you you look at Auburn's schedule, Quinn. You got Mercer coming up. A, a good time to to try to figure it out. You go to Missouri; they can't play defense or shit. So there's two games that you don't play a defense. Mississippi State coming back to Auburn on September 30th. That's the game I'm circling. If they lose that game, Gus Malzahn's gone, and the season's going to yeah. come unhinged. Carvin, if yeah, he wins that game, he's that. got Ole Miss. He'll be gone before that, depending on what he does against Mercer. I'll tell you that right now because they've already what they did in week number one against Georgia Southern. All right, so they already know if, if, if they don't if they don't bury that team, you know, he's going to have griddle marks on his ass because that hot seat is going to be really, really hot. Yeah. Well, if Auburn doesn't win by 40-plus points in this one, you better hit the panic button. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, well what, what I'm wondering is, is how Stidham would play if Lindsey was calling the place. Um, did Stidham get told that Chip would be calling the place before the season started? It doesn't. 
It doesn't matter. I mean, if he's that big of a pussy and he doesn't, I would quit if I was Chip Lindsay. I wouldn't call Stidham a pussy. Stop. No, I'm talking about Chip Lindsay. Chip Lindsay. Oh. (laughs) Because here's the deal. I'm not going to be micromanaged by some guy that hired me to do something and sit here and look bad. Because here's the deal. The offense is going to shit, and Gus Malzahn is not stepping up and saying it's his fault. He's blaming Chip Lindsay, really, because they asked him point blank in an interview last night, were you calling plays last night? No, not at all. And they asked him three times, and he said no. So, Sonny, to me, that's him saying, hey, that's not my fault. That's, that's, that's the offensive that's exactly coordinator's fault, really. But, but, you know, it's kind of funny how the media really wants to know. I mean, and I didn't see the interview, but three times they're asking that. Are you sure it's not three you? Three times. You, yeah, exactly. So, you know, the media is already gathering what's going on. Okay. And, hey, say what you want about the media. When it comes to the game, okay, that, those media guys watch the game and they see what's going on. And once you start making excuses, and that's a, that answer is an excuse. A head coach takes the responsibility for that performance regardless. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter if you were asked if you were calling the plays or not. You better figure out how to get that on your shoulder well, yeah. more so than lump it right there on the offensive coordinator. Here. Well, 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 go ahead, Glenn, real quick. Oh, what I was going to say is if Gus isn't calling plays and he shouldn't have a play sheet with him, the whole time and his mouth moving when the team's on offense. If you're not going to call plays, then be like Brian Kelly, who doesn't have a play sheet on him, who's who's talking to all aspects of the game and isn't yeah. running his mouth like but, he's calling plays while the offense is out there. I've watched every Auburn game for the last seven years with Gus Malzahn involved in it, and I'm telling you, that game last night was 110% Gus Malzahn. That was Everything he did was his the way he did. And last year, uh, he screwed it up and handed it over to Rhett Lashley, and the, actually the offense got a lot better. And then when they started getting better, when Auburn started dominating, he slipped right back in there, and look what happened against Georgia. Gus Malzahn yep. needs to be fired. Jay Jacobs needs to be fired, the athletic director. He's the one hiring all these losers as head coaches. He's hiring softball coaches that are screwing uh, players and, and doing all this. He's about to have a Title nine on him. So I think Auburn needs to wake up and go get Chip Kelly while they can as a, as a head coach and let him come in, leave the defenses in, let Chip Kelly come in. But, but I'm going to tell you what concerns me about Auburn every year under Gus Malzahn, they start out very slow. And if you look at 2013, they, they barely beat Washington State. They barely beat Mississippi State. The reason they didn't lose that early in the season is because they didn't play at Clemson on the road. And uh, this year they did. So I don't understand why the offense takes so long to gel. I know it's going to happen. I know they're going to get better. It's just the way his his system is. My question is, Sonny, when is he going to be able to put a system in that can win early in the season? If you can't do that, why are you scheduling these big-time opponents week one and two every year and getting beat? Well, one of the things, though, one of my biggest complaints about college football Okay, it's the cream puff schedule to quote unquote get your feet up underneath each other. I, I hate that. In fact, you know, you know, and and you know, a lot of teams do it, but it, it they, it's obviously purposeful. 
okay, because, you know, you don't want to take that first loss early in the season, especially if you're running for the top four. But if you're going to do it, you need to do it in the first of the season and then get your feet up underneath it. The however in that is that there are going to be games and teams out there that will take those tough games in the first three or four weeks of the season. Then they might take a loss to another good football team late in the season, and we're not talking about them in the top four because of what's going on. So I get why it's done. And I, and frankly, as far as what you, you got to deal with with Auburn is, is that you, you got to get those other games instead of the one that you just lost to Clemson yesterday, and you need to get that in week number four in the schedule because it's without question, after you saw what happened in week number one, you knew they weren't ready in reality for Clemson. And the, the offense, and you're right about the offense. Okay, the offense is definitely not gelling. It's not clicking because they look different from one play to the next instead of being, you know, that unified uh, unit that they can be when they are good. And check them out in week number seven, week number eight. I think you're right, Tarvin. They'll be chugging on all cylinders, but the problem is they'll have two games down, maybe three, and then you're talking about the Sun Bowl. Yeah, because here's the deal. With this playoff, and I don't care what anybody says, if you're not in that Final Four, you don't matter. And and that's the thing. And, and by the time Auburn's clicking on all cylinders, they may be a two-loss team just come out of LSU yep. and nobody's really thinking about them. They can play spoiler. They can do all that. But I don't want to spend a lot of time on Auburn tonight. I'll put some thoughts out there for everybody. Um, let's move on to Oklahoma and Ohio State. A huge game last night. And why is it, Sonny, that every year, and Quinn, I'll bounce that after Sonny answers. He's a Michigan fan. I'm going to ask him first. Why is Ohio State so overrated every season? I mean, they could lose 49 to nothing the last game of the season to come back preseason number one. What is the love fest with Ohio State? I just don't get it. It's a head coach. Come on, Tarvin. I mean, you say whatever you want. I mean, but when you got a coach that that kind of – I, I'll say demands respect because I can't think of anything to say fast enough that would sound wonderful. But he, he, you, you look at the head coach of that football team, and then, yeah, they won the national championship, you know, a couple of years back. So, you know, especially in the place where they were when they won the national championship, when they were really questionable whether or not they were going to get in at the number four position. I remember us talking about it right here. Really simple. They shouldn't have been in that top four to win the national championship. They did. They came back and won, and that's the reason why they get the hype. Now, after you lose that football game, okay, they people, whoever is putting in the votes, whoever is voting to put Ohio State at number eight, that, you know, you've you got to figure out what game you're watching. Now, I know you love the coach and everything, but, you know, you, you've got skull drugs. And you got still drugged by one of the better teams, too. So, you know, it's not like that was Virginia Tech, Miami, or Kansas down there at the 15th, 16th mark, okay? You got still drugged by one of the best teams in the nation right now, which I can't believe I'm saying that about Oklahoma, but right now they are. And, you know, so there, there's the critics that are going to hang out for Ohio State to see how they finish out the season. That's why their number is number eight instead of maybe – Maybe 15 where your Auburn Tigers are, or 16 with Virginia Tech. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just I don't understand. But let me let me go back real quick. Just real quick, I was looking for something. He was, was and you look at the Jackson Tigers early start. It's sunny in October, about October, when Auburn finally decides that hey, this offense is clicking. And I'll give you an example. Of last year, real quick, I just wanted to the 2010. Let me do this. I'll show you some great Auburn teams. 2010, the um, my computer froze up. Arkansas State was a not a good start with. They beat Mississippi State fourteen to second. Clemson the third week at home they beat by three in overtime. South Carolina the next week they beat eight in overtime. They found the thirty, but after that they started cranking. Two thousand thirteen national runner up team. Just State really won by seven first week. Second week Arkansas State, count that. Third week, Mississippi State, 24-20, to 20, Sonny, a last-minute drive to win. LSU, they got beat pretty good. And then October, guess what? They roll, they're rolling. Here we are last year. Real quick, last year they started out. Clemson, they lost 19-13. It looked the exact same game as last year, Sonny. Um, Arkansas, Texas A&M, they lost 29-16. It looked exactly like it. Right. What's the common denominator? All of these games are in September. Last year, September 24th, they beat LS 18 to 13. They kicked six goals. The defense handed them. As soon as October rolled around, at Mississippi State or Louisiana, 58 to seven. Mississippi State on the road, 38 to 14. Arkansas, October 22nd, 56 to three. October 29th, 29, and then it starts fading off, Sonny. Auburn starts slow. October as they roar. November they run that ass. Now let's look this year, and you tell me that it just doesn't look the same. They struggled out of the gate with Georgia Southern, forty-one to seven. Clemson, fourteen to six. They've got Mercer, but at Missouri, September twenty-third, Mississippi State, nine thirty at home. Is that close enough to October, Sonny, that I can say, okay, watch out, Auburn's about to roll. Well, you can you can because of the two cream puffs coming up, and they get a chance to warm up for it. So yes, you know the the difference this year is because they don't have those teams that they they lost too early. That they got the cream puff. They only had one you know real yeah. team coming here, and that was yesterday. Funny, uh, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. If if we were playing LSU or somebody like that. Next week or the week after, we would lose. Mercer, Missouri gets a chance to get our feet wet, get hot. Mississippi State back at home in Ole Miss starting October. Uh, the good thing, Quinn, October 14th, 21th, or the 21st, they've had LSU in Arkansas. That's Auburn's peak. And, I, and, and some people say you can't use that when you, when you analyze teams. The hell you can't because numbers don't lie. I've got seven years of this. I can go back to you, Sonny, and say, look, Auburn struggles out of the gate in September. They're all fired in October, and they fizzle out in November, for the most that's part. Wh- but but there are – go ahead, Quinn. That's why I said just wait. That's why I said just wait. I mean, we'll wait see. Wait for what? Eight and four? Eight and four, seven and five? <laughs> is, is that okay with you? No, if they roll – if they roll through, if what you're saying is right, 
and they and they roll and that they somehow can beat LSU, then don't we have one loss going into November? Yeah. And then that's where yeah, the season problem. will be will be determined. Yeah. Yeah, but here's the problem, and and this will make you even more sick. Auburn, they come in, they how they're they got that Georgia game November 11th, and then Alabama right after. If they lose both of those games and finish nine and three, he's gone. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. Let's bring a five one six area code. Oh, never mind, they hung up. Uh, so I probably want to talk about the Colts today or something. But but let's move on a little bit. But but it's okay to use statistics like that. And they if it's if it's the same every month for teams, it's okay to use it. I mean, that's how you learn tendency, learn coaching styles by looking at at trends. That's how I do. You there? I'm I'm here. I you, you were breaking oh, up there in that is. last part. You you were breaking up in that last part there. I'm sorry, oh, Tarvin. Okay. So 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 is it okay that I use trends like that to analyze Auburn and stuff? And is is it right what I'm doing? Is it safe to say that, that Auburn's maybe a few weeks away from from exploding? But maybe you're right that they're playing some cream puffs. They may explode a little earlier. And if that's the case, do so they run out of gas earlier than they normally do? Well, I'm going to tell you, Tarvin. I think you've got you've got a problem coming up. Never mind the fact that you're going to have to fight through the cream puffs. Um, I think you're going to get a real tell about your football team when they play Mississippi State. I mean, a real tell, and that's what. And it wouldn't surprise me if they lost that game um, because of what's going to happen. Especially if you get these two cream puffs getting to the quarterback. Your quarterback is scared right now, and you can't go into a game like Mississippi State or the later on in the later on in the season with a guy who's gun shy, and that is going to be your downfall this year. So you got to coach up that young man to make sure that he's not afraid to take the hit, not afraid that he's going to end up or get him out in the pocket. Make sure he makes the move earlier uh, until he figures out what's going to be coming at him. Um, until they get that part fixed, you can go right along with what you're talking about because whether it is a quarterback who's gunshot or a coach that cannot coach his football team, you've got two problems. you got one problem, and if both of them are going on at the same time, that later on in the season schedule, it might get brutal for you. Yeah, and I haven't seen Gus Malzahn develop a quarterback yet. That's um... – Yep, that that's the problem. I don't think he can take somebody under his wing and help him. He's destroyed more careers than he's helped. Cam Newton was a man amongst boys, and and that's the way it was. Nick Marshall was not even a quarterback, and he was just a great athlete, and he fit fine. But the better quarterback you are at Auburn, the worse you do, and that that concerns me. Stidham's a a, a good quarterback, and and I think the yeah. problem is the common denominator is Gus Malzahn. So. Yeah, Let's well, look, move off you, Auburn, like you said, look, look at the quarterback. You've you got the quarterback. It's, it's eerie, very eerie similar to Ohio State. you got a good coach, okay? you got a good coach that can coach up this quarterback, okay? But this quarterback is not, is, is not performing in Ohio State. Neither is yours. The difference is, is the coaching that is there. It's it, it's <laughs> night and day. If you had the coaching that was going on at Ohio State, I don't think you'd be 
too worried about where your team is going to be in a couple of weeks playing the cream puffs going into Mississippi State. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And I'm going to make a little prediction for y'all, all these Clemson, all these Auburn fans that think Clemson's the new Super Bowl champion in the NFL. Louisville will beat Clemson this weekend. You mark my I don't words so. on it. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. They've got the best player in college football at quarterback. He's a great athlete. And that makes a big difference in college football. Auburn just didn't have that. Yep. He doesn't have the confidence as this guy does. Clemson will get skull drugged by Louisville, I think. And the reason is, too, Louisville's defense is struggling a little bit, but so is Clemson's offense. And this Clemson's like Auburn. They start out slow, and they finally they get, they get up there and get going. This is perfect for Louisville. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Clemson lost two out of the gate in September and ends up out of the playoff discussion before we even get started. But but that's another day and another topic. Let's let's move on to uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, Sonny and Quinn. They right. there's a big chance for them, and uh, and I know that, and 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 we're gonna move to NFL in just a few minutes. But I know Quinn that this was Notre Dame's chance to to have a home game to to make up for last year. Last year was a terrible four and eight season. Uh, Georgia's quarterback's out, but yet Notre Dame still found a way to lose that game last night. I'm not big on Georgia. I don't think they're that good. But tell me what you think after that game last night about Notre Dame. Did you feel like they got outplayed? Did you did you feel disappointed? What what did you see and take away from that game? Well, it was it was frustrating, but um, I mean the. I mean, uh, Georgia's just the the speed of Georgia's defensive line and and uh, kind of overwhelmed the offensive line. So Notre Dame offensively uh, couldn't do everything they wanted, but um, they found some good things to do. And I I just think that for this for uh, week two of this season, this Georgia Georgia was a little bit better. I mean. The defense, Notre Dame's defense, looked the best um, it's looked in uh, probably since 2012. So I'm not – and then Wimbush, I mean, he, he's a redshirt sophomore, but he hasn't had much playing time, so he's still, he's still kind of learning, and this was a good learning game for him. I mean, so I'm not concerned as much about – Notre Dame. I I think the co. I think Notre Dame has a per. Has I think Brian Kelly has a pretty good coaching staff, um, right now. So I'm not as concerned about Notre Dame. I think they'll. I think they will get better as the season goes along. I think Wimbush and the offense will get better, and I think the defense will get even more better. I'm more disappointed in the fan base and the season ticket holders who sold their tickets to Georgia and let 40% of that stadium be filled with Georgia fans. That shouldn't have happened. And it's absolutely pathetic that season ticket holders, if you're going to sell your tickets, make sure you're selling them to Notre Dame fans, not Georgia fans. Notre Dame has one of the biggest fan bases in the nation, and I know it's way bigger than Georgia's, and somehow you let Georgia come up and fill up 40% 40% of the stadium, it's pathetic. That was more pathetic. You know why? I mean, I mean that this, 
I mean, that probably deflated the players a little bit. It's their home field, and the season ticket holders are selling their tickets. Quinn. There's no other way Georgia fans could get their hold on that many tickets. Quinn, Quinn, Georgia fans came out, and here's the deal. Notre Dame's still a little sour from that 4-8 and eight season. Georgia fans are offering these guys 500 bucks. 600 bucks to come, and they travel like Auburn. Auburn filled that place up at Clemson last night, man. It was crazy. Yeah, they did. Clemson fans were upset. Clemson fans were upset that there were so many Auburn fans there and and raising hell. But, Quinn, Notre Dame, the problem is they lost. And and like Auburn lost to Clemson, a top three team, non-conference. The problem with Notre Dame is they don't play in a conference, and I think that loss to Georgia really hurt Notre Dame, regardless Absolutely. The rest of the year, I don't think they can yeah. make up for it in the minds of the committee. They they probably can't. But to me, at this point, I mean, coming from a four and eight year, I mean, if if they can, if they somehow can um, come back, because their schedule, a lot of people like to hate on. Notre Dame, but every year they schedule a pretty good schedule. If they can um, only take one more loss the rest of the year um, and go like ten and two and get into a New Year's Six Bowl, I mean that yeah, would be would a really, really, really good year to me. They're not going to happen, Quinn. I mean, Georgia. I don't was think so given. either. Sunday, Georgia, this was our perfect one? opportunity. Sonny, it was a perfect yeah. opportunity for Notre Dame to win. Yeah, you need Can to you, you need to watch a you need to watch a game on uh, September twenty third, and that is Georgia Mississippi State the week before you your Auburn Tigers take on Mississippi <laughs> State. All right, that's going to be the important thing. So, but that win, hey, say whatever you want. Georgia beating Notre Dame without question. It, it, that is a big win, even if it's by one. They'll, so here's what I'm going to say. Mississippi State, Tennessee, and to a certain point, Missouri. I worry about Missouri in October. They're a good team in October. Um, and then you got Florida South. If this is a tough schedule. That's the reason why we're not going to see the Georgia Bulldogs be down there, you know, playing in the Nash, you know, in the no. Final Four. Um, they're going to get beat along the way here, and if not – you know, guess what? You got Auburn, your team. November 11th is going to be a big game for you. And yeah. that game's at Auburn. I'm sure that you'll be in the stands. Yeah. So you've well, got a couple of things to look at with this Georgia Bulldog team. Georgia shouldn't have won last night. They weren't expected to nope. win. They did. But, but, Sonny, you're right. Georgia is not going to make it. I mean, they, this, they're a September team. They they win a couple games here, but they're going to lose about three or four games this year, and and Auburn will yep. beat the piss out of them by the end. And 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 I was joking about Miss State beating Auburn. That ain't going to happen either. But but Quinn, um, sorry, I'm watching Carrie yeah. Underwood walk here. Oh my God! Well, well, the Man, thing I love say, this new commercial. The, the thing I'll say is, if Notre Dame loses three or four more games, Brian Kelly may be gone. Uh, it's a very good possibility. Well, and people well, bring up his buyout, Notre Dame will, will pay his buyout. Well, I want to look at this schedule real quick for for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, if my computer will uh, uh, operate. Irish. 
<laughs> I don't well, think, Quinn, I think you're looking. Wow, man. Woo. It's brutal. You see what I'm seeing? Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. It's I not mean, easy. It's not easy, but it's Notre Dame. Notre Dame always has a tough schedule. Um, let's go yep. right now. At Boston College, it's on the road. At Michigan State, I'll give you two wins right there. So you're three and one. Miami of Ohio, four and one. At UNC, five and one. USC, five and two. NC State, six and two. Wake, seven and two. At Miami, seven and three. Navy, eight and three. Stanford, eight and four. So if you're saying if you go eight and four, you lose on the road at Miami, at Stanford, and you lose to USC. You think he's going at eight and four? The fan base won't put up with it. The fan, the fan base, hey, won't, the fan base was pissed that he came back anyway. after last year. They're, they're going to lose. They're going to lose to Boston College or Michigan State, and that's going to get the that's going to get the legs <laughs> turning on. You know whether or not it's going to happen. You know, I, and frankly, I think Michigan State can beat them now. Hey, Michigan State's not a powerhouse, okay? Uh, don't get me wrong here, okay? Uh, the Irish should beat them. The problem is you just got done losing to Georgia. You had no business losing to them in reality if you were as good as Notre Dame is supposed to be. So just wrap it up in a nutshell. I can see them losing to either Boston College, Michigan State, a lower-tier team, but I'm going to tell you the game that I think that could make the big decision on what's going to happen for the future of that is going to be the games that you got UNC, South Carolina, uh, uh, USC, and NC State. You're going to lose one of those games as well, and we're going to be hot and heavy on who's going to be the coach of that football team next year. And that's before you get to Miami and uh, Stanford at the end of the year. And, and Brian Kelly is really disappointed. Um, Notre Dame cannot lose to teams like they're doing. And it would be different if Notre Dame wasn't doing a great job in recruiting, but they've, they've done a good job in recruiting, and they have the talent to, to do something. And and it just really bothers me that the Notre Dame all of a sudden this Brian Kelly loses to Georgia, a team I hate by the way, and uh, just lets them come into his house and think out a win. But I think the biggest thing Quinn you said was the people are selling their tickets to Georgia fans. That's the that's the fans saying, look, we're not putting up with this anymore. They knew they were going to lose to Georgia. They didn't want to come watch it again after a four and eight season. And I think when the donors quit. Quit, quit giving money. That's when Brian Kelly's going to be gone. Well, the thing. Well, the thing is, is it's tough because Brian Kelly is is the best coach Notre Dame's had since Lou Holtz. I mean, we've gone through, we've gone through Willingham, like Tyrone Willingham, so, so, some Davey. horrible, horrible, horrible coaches, and just what I'm thinking is. Okay, if they do fire Brian Kelly, who will they get? Now, no, now Notre Dame is a hot shot of coaching, but I don't, I don't know who they would go, go after. I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess they could go steal PJ Flex from Minnesota, <laughs> but no, you I don't mean, want that guy. Anybody that has the, the Butch Jones, uh, this guy that Rose's boat. This other guy's got a trash can. You don't want people that are mascots on the sideline. You need a man 
you, you don't need Gus Malzahn. You need a Nick Saban type play a coach. You don't need these candy asses. And by the you know way, I mean, you, you know, the, the coach of that team you're talking, uh, Willingham. Okay, I, I've kept track of where he's gone. Okay, after after he went to Notre Dame, he went to Washington for three years, and the guy is done. Okay, what you know, he, 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 that guy was a good coach. If I'm not mistaken, this guy had Stanford. You know, I, I think he was there for you know twelve, thirteen years, and that guy was big time. Okay, now we don't have Willingham. What is it? Something about Notre Dame that makes you unrecoverable? By the way, that job that he took in Washington should have been should have been Skatesville for him, and it didn't happen. What goes on in Notre Dame that make coach and make coaches fail? What it's the same thing that's in Denver at the quarterback position. How do you replace a legend such as John Elway unless you're going to get a you know? A, a Peyton Manning. They haven't been able to get the Peyton Manning in there at the quarterback, uh, the uh, the head coaching position since Lou Holtz. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, and great the, point, Gwen. And the and the thing is, I don't. I mean, I respect Urban as a coach, but I don't want. I don't. I don't want that at Notre Dame, really. So so it's. I mean. It, it's just tough. I don't. I don't think Harbaugh would be Michigan since that is his alma mater. I mean, maybe they could get like. I mean, I actually, I actually like David Shaw, but I don't know if he leaves the West Coast at Sam. I mean, it's no. just tough. He Who would they? They might have to take David a Shaw on like a really good coordinator, and. David Shaw's not a good coach because he doesn't like expectations. He likes to win his eight or nine games a year and go off and act like he's one of the greatest coaches of all time, and the guy sucks, let's be honest. Uh, Shaw sucks. But, hey, I want to move on real quick. I want to talk about something that's bothering me real quick, and then we'll let Jason talk about his ducks for a second. We're going to the NFL. Um, Sonny, I'm very perturbed right now at Kevin Sumlin's wife getting a letter in the mail by some racist piece of shit um, after the UCLA game. Center um, sent the family a letter, and it said, uh, you suck as a coach, it says. You are the N-word and can't win. Please get lost or else. So, Sonny, I, I've got a real problem when, you know, coaches get criticized all the time. They, they make $5 million, but – is it not crossing the line when you're making a threat to the wife and kids of a, a football coach over a football game? Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it, it could be the epitome of the dumbest thing you could ever do. It, you still got to put it in perspective, okay? I get the pandemonium. I get what college football is all about. I live in Texas, okay? I know, but I know what football is about, okay? <laughs> but once you take it outside the parameters of what's happening out on the football field, you turn yourself not only into a, an idiot, you turn yourself into a gutless wussy. And that's, <laughs> and that's all that is. That's that. I mean, but here's the thing. Someone actually took the time to write it. I mean, so... You know, and mailed it. They mailed it. And and mailed it. I mean, you had to go buy a stamp, okay? I mean, you know, I I don't know about anybody else. I haven't mailed anything in the mail 
um, uh, for a long time. Now, I've received something in the mail if I bought something online. But me for actually walking and buying a stamp that, you know, you know, when you can send an email, um, obviously there's a reason why it was sent by the mail. It was a gutless, wimpy move by some gutless, wimpy idiot to where he couldn't be found out. And the only place that they're going to find out who did it, okay, is by a post state that's on the envelope. And that's it. All right. So once you don't have the, the guts to come out and say something like that, uh, that's where you end up. You're a gutless, you're a gutless punk. Quinn and Quinn, I'll, I'll go to you. Kevin Sumlin, I think, is a very good football coach. I think he's in a tough division, the SEC West. Um, I mean, I heard Colin Coward say something the other day about this and said A&M fans think they're some kind of great football team. They had Johnny Menzel one year. And uh, ever since then, their, their best bowl they've ever made was a holiday bowl. A&M fans think they're Alabama or something because they beat them one time. But can you believe that A&M is wanting to run off? The Regent comes out, and, and here's the deal. The fans are stupid, and that's terrible, but they get it from the Regent in Texas, comes out and makes a Facebook announcement that he wants Kevin Sumlin fired. I mean, who does A&M think they are, Quinn? And, and shouldn't Kevin Sumlin go somewhere else and, and be more successful? This is this is terrible. Yeah. Well, I don't think someone's done a good job at A&M, but, there's, but it's really sad. Oh, he that, has. That, He's done a real good job at A&M. Outside of Manziel, though. But getting no, to no, 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 what I'm saying, Texas A&M, was nothing before he came there, really. They were nothing. Manziel came in, and, and yeah, they. But, but here's the deal. He put them back on the map. But who was their coach before okay. that? Who, who was A&M's coach, Quinn, in your opinion? Who was it? I mean, I, don't I, even I can't remember. even name this sucker. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 yes, he's lost some games. I'm with you, man. I mean, he hasn't done a good job considering SEC West standards. But according to A&M, that's like Miami of Ohio winning nine games a year, you know. I mean, I, I, but, I don't understand, but the racist comments bother me more than anything. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. But, I mean, it's it's sad that someone would send that to his house where his, where his wife would have to read it to. I mean, I mean, there's a point and his of fandom and then just uh, – uh, stupidity and I mean it, it's really sad that that still is going on in the world today but the reasons what bothers me too is like you're a you're a millionaire probably you're on the board at A&M and you come out on a Facebook post and you put that you want your coach fired you're you're immediately putting division in that program right there I think the region should lose his job. He should have nothing to do Absolutely. with athletics at A&M anymore. And let's do it at that. But what bothers me, the other regents, I think the other nine regents, the AD, the president, never came out, Sonny, and said anything uh, declaring that was just not their feelings and that was inappropriate, nothing. They, they said nothing, which makes me lose a lot more respect for A&M. I think A&M goes about – Five and seven this year. They're about to they're about to hit the tank, and I think someone's going to love it. I think he's going to say, "Ha ha, guys, you're firing me, but guess what? You owe me twelve million now. Good luck." 
Exactly. And uh, by the way, he was the SEC Coach of the Year in 2012. Um, so let's not forget that. Or maybe maybe it was maybe it was 2012. It was one of those years. Uh, and by the way, the answer to the question 12. because it, you know I yeah I live in Texas, so I know it was Tim DeRuiter that was the coach before someone. Uh, and he took over for uh, Sherman in the interim in 2011. Yeah. You know, so yeah. That, Slocum, that, that, Slocum yeah. Was one of, Say again? Yeah. Slocum oh, was yeah, one of their names. Oh, yeah, I remember Sherman. Yeah. But, I mean, again, Texas A&M, Sonny, you're in Texas. How is Texas A&M regarded before Kevin Sumlin came and Manziel came? How are they regarded in Texas? Well, they're regarded as a pedestrian football team, okay? And and here's the thing. You can only live off of Johnny Manziel um, for so long, okay? And, and and that's what they've been really kind of doing in reality. So once, once, you, once you put an egg in a basket, okay, the problem is is that sooner or later you're on the, the, the basket's on the ground so much yep. it's going to develop a hole in the bottom of it, and that's what's going on here. Um, they, couldn't, they, could never rega- they could never get back to what they were with Johnny Manziel. But let's be honest. They really weren't all that great with Johnny Manziel anyway. I mean, you know, so you know, it just depends on what your definition of greatness is because I didn't see him as a great football team with Johnny Manziel as the, you know, running the helm at the quarterback position. I saw him as a very lucky football team, but sooner or later, I mean, this guy's been the coach since 2012, okay, so something's got to be done. It's been a long time. I mean, and, yeah, five years and you're Texas A&M, you got to put something on the plate for the fans to come and see. And right now, after Johnny Manziel left, there's nothing for him to be there. So, you know, he's probably going to lose his job because I don't see him winning more yep. than six games this year. Not at all. No. And he's smarter than Texas A&M because his agent got him a deal that said, you know how yep. sometimes you fire a coach, you have to pay him, but it could be over 10 years or it could be over eight years. Kevin Sumlin within – I think 30 days of his firing, his entire contract is due immediately. Things within two weeks. So Kevin Sumlin's going to get fired from A&M. He's going to go somewhere else like the ACC. So he'll have a job offer the next day, and he'll go somewhere, and he'll win 10, 11 games a year. He's a very good coach. I mean, he he really is. But the problem is A&M's just a very soft football team on the defensive side of the ball. And they can't they can't stop anybody. But I just wanted to throw that out there real quick, Jason. Hey, let me let me just throw one more on to that. Let me just who does he remind you of right here in Texas? I mean, who does he remind Charlie you of? Charlie Strong, who just lost Charlie Strong. Charlie exactly. Strong, exactly. And, and Charlie, and, hey, and Charlie, he and not only that, he got the contract extension before last year. Charlie, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what it reminds me of, and, and and until they get away from that thinking, you got that whole situation where you're going to have to deal with them. Uh, but you know, and uh, where's Charlie Strong now? South Florida. Okay, all right. So he's just going to have to do a little bit better on what team is going to hire him. I could see Kevin Sumlin going to the NFL. I could see him going to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. And for a couple of years, and then coming back as a head coach. But the guy's going to be yep. rich no matter what. So, so the big loser Absolutely. here is A&M's uh, program, and they're not going to be able to get anybody. 
that Chip Kelly may go there, but I don't know if it's a good fit. But, hey, let's talk real quick before we get into the NFL. Jason Humphrey is on. He suffered last year through a terrible season like Quinn did with Notre Dame with his Oregon Ducks. They come out last night. They, they blow out Nebraska in the first half, and they almost piss it away. Jason, welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I mean, or is your heart still beating after that almost choke job right there? <laughs> almost on the counts on the whole season, man, good names. All we know is Latuno. <laughs> that's all I care about. That's all that matters. Latuno. Yeah, that's all that matters. And you know what? You guys may not think this, but we won that game on our defense. All right, our defense forced a pick to close out that game, and that made my chin rattle. I'm happy. So, <laughs> well, yeah, Jason, what was know? the score at halftime, Jason? <laughs> Jason, what, what was the score at halftime of that game? It was 42-21. It wasn't that. It wasn't that 42, close. 42-14. Was, was yeah, 42-14. Sorry, I have a couple beers in the meat, so. Jason, Jason, here's my problem. You're up 42 to 14 at halftime. You don't score any in the second half, and you almost lose. Does that not concern you a little bit? Nope. What to know? <laughs> what, what to know? Because you know what? I saw my team choke away a 35 point lead in the bowl game. So knowing that we won last night, that's all I care about. All right? Everything could be fixed. You're right. And that, right. and that being That's said, let point. me just hop in there. This is really simple, okay? The, the Oregon Ducks winning that game, I called that one. Now, I didn't call it the way that it happened in the second half. That part I didn't, yeah. okay? But I watched this Nebraska Cornhusker team last week. Why? Because they played uh, Arkansas State, uh, you know, a heart tug for Sonny because of their uh, redshirt quarterback. Um, so I watched that game. And I saw Nebraska very, very, you know, they were very suspect on the defensive side of the ball, and that's what happened in that game, okay? Now, granted, they, they toughened up in the second half, but before that it was too late. So I, I, when I watched, you know, the, the, the highlights, I was like, whoa, Oregon didn't score in the second half, but Nebraska did exactly what they did last week with Arkansas State, which is they damn near got beat, but the Oregon Ducks mm-hmm. are just a better football team than Arkansas State, and huh. they got the job done. Mm-hmm. Well, Jason, yeah. Jason, I was impressed with your defense, only giving up 361 yards, and uh, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. with a big lead too. So, I mean, Nebraska's yeah. or Oregon's defense has really improved since last year. And and um, let me just add this before I go: one touchdown was a broken coverage, it was a corner blitz, the safety didn't roll over, and the other touchdown was because Royce Freeman fumbled, and they gave Nebraska a short field. So, uh, our defense is improved. It's not there yet, but it's heading in the right direction. So, so, so Jason, who do you play next week? We play Wyoming. So. Oh, God. <laughs> Wyoming on the road and then Arizona State. Uh, yep. Well, Jason, all that matters is, you know, Auburn's 1-1. One and one. You guys are 2-0, mm-hmm. and oh, and I'd like to have that 2-0 and oh right now. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, there you go. Uh, All right, before buddy. I leave, hey, Notre Dame could always have a trip to Cody. So. I don't know <laughs> if he would fit well at Notre Dame. I just don't yeah. know if his style. 
Well, I, I, I got to think know. he recruits well enough. All right, buddy. All right, I, you have a good one. I think Tommy Tuberville to Notre Dame could be a, a great fit. Uh, how about how about Gene Chizik? How about Gene Chizik, Quinn? Stop. Gene's doing fine at the ICC Network. He doesn't need to be coaching yeah, he's, anymore. He's terrible. Well, guys, NFL week one. I mean, I don't know if anybody's surprised. The Patriots uh, with a terrible performance Thursday night, like getting into the hype. All the fans are talking about 16-0, and Sonny, and the Patriots lay an egg on Thursday night football to open the season up. Any surprise there? I was surprised how many points Kansas City put up. I'll be honest with you. That really surprised me. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you, okay? On the show Sunday with Cuervo and I, we picked that game. We didn't get a lot to talk about, a lot of time to talk about it, okay? But that that game, if it was an arrowhead, I would have picked Kansas City. Because, first of all, I don't have the Patriots getting to the Super Bowl. I don't have them winning the, obviously, winning the AFC championship game. So that's number one. Number two, as far as that whole football team was concerned, what I like is Andy Reid. There is no question in my mind that I was wrong about Andy Reid when he left the, the, the Eagles. I just thought he was washed up and all done. Oh, contraire, mon frere. I don't know, because when you can take a team for the last three years that he's done with Alex Smith at the quarterback position, okay, that tells me that guy can coach, okay, and he's done nothing but – so the the fact – did it shock me that the Patriots uh, uh, lost – not – they lost that game in Gillette, though, with the first game of the year – and when they took that second touchdown mm-hmm. back from uh, from the tight end um, that he scored, um, I thought that I thought the game was probably over in reality because they were uh, they were going to be up fourteen nothing before you knew it. So you know I, I, it didn't shock me, but I'm not expecting a lot from the Patriots because this is the first year I look at Tom Brady and I give him the the Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, Test, okay, Dirk Nowitzki put a team on his shoulders, and now they go out and win the championship, and he hasn't been jack squat since. This might be the same thinking that I have going on. Not that they won't be jack squat. They're just not going to be as good as they normally are, and they're going to lose these type of games that it's going to be close. So more than likely you're sitting here thinking the Patriots were going to dominate that game. I didn't necessarily think I that, did. but I wouldn't hold it against someone who thought that. So that's the way I, I kind of look at the Patriots this year. I thought they would dominate, but let's not forget one thing. The Patriots, Tom Brady's about 40 now, and I don't care. Age does catch up with you. I don't care who you are. And number two, the Patriots don't play as well in September as they do in October, November, and December. Absolutely. So if anybody's going to get them, it's Kansas City right there. We saw it coming, but again, like I don't know if you heard me earlier, the media – they talk these teams up so much that Vegas is forced to put a huge point spread on the game in order not to go broke, really, just in case. Yep. Because here's the deal. Well, why would you put the Patriots a five-point favorite when you can put them a nine-point favorite and everybody's going to take it anyway? Why would you do it? So they, these lines are higher right now because the media is driving home these the Cowboys, the Patriots and everything. And at the end of the day, the Patriots are – are just an average team right now. They're everybody's average in September, I think. 
It's just everybody's well, on the and, same playing field right now. And throw in the fact that they really don't have any names at the wide receiver because of some injuries bugs that they're dealing with. So um, that having been said, time to get to you know, well, it's on the appeal, but what does Tom what does Tom Brady do best? Okay, he makes you a better player, So, but he's got to get a little time with you. So I, I yeah. still see the Patriots probably winning that division uh, fairly easily, but uh, it's going to – Oh, yeah. It's actually going to take a little work. It's going to take a little work to win it. I'm not saying Buffalo, the Jets, or Miami are going to uh, put a scare into them, but they're going to have to work to get the victories. Well, I think what the Patriots need to do is work to make sure they can get home field advantage, and I don't think that's going to be very easy. Uh, I, I agree with what, you. That's what worries me. That's what worries me if you're a Patriots fan. Well, let's flip over to the to the Bears, man, the Bears and the Falcons. I know, Quinn, you were so close. I mean, your, your team was the perfect trifecta. Notre Dame gets beat, Auburn gets beat, and uh, Chicago gets beat. A very depressing weekend, wasn't it? And you didn't even get to go to the game because your flight got canceled. So, I mean, it's just been a bad week for you, Quinn. Tell us about your Bears right here. Well, I wasn't expecting the Bears to win, and they kept it close. I was, I was actually surprised that how, I, how actually Glennon did. He did better than I thought. Um, that new, that rookie running back. Uh, the bear, the Bears have now. Look out for him. He's like a Darren Sproles type of guy. But I was, I was glad it was close. I mean, in typical Bears fashion, they can win the game with seconds left and don't get it, don't get it done. Have two drop passes. I mean, it wasn't surprising, but I wasn't impressed with Atlanta either. If they're as good as. They've been talked up to be for this year. They should have blown the doors off the Bears team, and the Bears honestly should have won that game. <laughs> yeah, the Bears are going to oh, win I'm... any game, Sonny. This was it because it's game one. Everybody's 0-0, but now going to Tampa, now playing, going to Pitt, playing Pittsburgh at Green Bay, Minnesota at the Ravens. I mean, where did the Bears find a win? I can't find they one find right it now next in the first week. five or six games. They find it next week because Tampa Bay's overrated because of their quarterback. That's now. Now I'm not saying they're going to win. I haven't broke it down yet. But out of that whole list, the only place they're going to get it is going to be there. Um, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, the Bear, the Bears played a lot better than I expected them. Okay, but here's the thing about Atlanta. I wasn't high on Atlanta this year because, and we talked about it on our show. When you lose the Super Bowl in historic proportions, the way the Atlanta Falcons did, the fact that they won this game, it, it, they're lucky. I mean, so so they got a little bit of the mental monkey off of their back, you know, going into it, and it, this was the perfect game for them. Now, granted, they should have they should have put a forty burger up on them without question. It is the Chicago Bears, okay. So, you know, that should have happened. But still, if you're the Atlanta Falcons and you get out of week number one with a victory, worried about the mental midgets that you have on your football team, okay, you know, after the historic collapse, this is actually a good result for you if you're the Atlanta mm-hmm. Falcons. Yeah. And, Quinn, I see one I see one win that I know is a win on your schedule, and it's Cleveland. Is there any chance it's 15? It's going to be a great game. 
I see the Bears winning three games. I I think they'll beat Minnesota once. I think I have them beating Cleveland, and then I have them winning one more. I I I have the Bears going three and thirteen this year. Well, that's a tough year to be a Bears fan. He's, he's only he's only a homer. He's only a homer when it comes to Notre Dame. That's the only time he's ever a homer. <laughs> no. Uh, no. <laughs> I wouldn't say. I try and be as realistic uh, as I can be when it comes you to are, all my You teams. are. You are. You're very realistic. You are. I'm joking with you, buddy. Um, the poor Bears. All right, let's move on. So, Sonny, any surprises today uh, when you're watching week one? Did anything stand out at you and say, wow, I missed it? And, uh, I mean, yes. uh, there were some surprises. What, tell me what you thought about week one. Week one, my Jacksonville Jaguars, I didn't think they had a chance. I mean, because Jacksonville, and that's my team, okay? They got the victory here today. I didn't pick them. Um, more in the fact that I was going on a strong emotion that might end up down there in Houston. But, man, is Houston bad. I mean, yeah, they bring in the quarterback, you know, you know that might be the savior. Terrible. Give him a little time. They're going to lose some games. But I'm going to tell you right now, my Jacksonville Jaguars, they came out and got that victory. I didn't pick them. Um, and I love me some Leonard Fournette. And once he really – okay, and I'm going to say this, and no one ripped my head off. Once he really learns how to run the football in the NFL, he's going to be fun to watch. Right now he's still – you know, he had a good game. Don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody to think that I don't like Leonard Fournette. But right now, he's still not an NFL running back. He's making some mistakes. And what my question about Leonard Fournette is, is his vision. Because on that one play, when he went up and over, he had a clear alley right into the end zone. And that should have been the place that he ran. So I'm worried about Leonard Fournette's vision as far as where he's going to be, especially in the red zone. Uh, but I still don't expect the Jacksonville Jaguars to come anywhere near uh, what you you know would call a playoff team this season. So, yeah, I was shocked that they, oh. first of all, they scored 29 points. I would have been surprised if they would have scored 17 um, and, and lost the game 20 to 17. So uh, the fact they got 29 up on the board is pretty good for the first week. Yeah. And, and Fournette, Quinn, speaking of Fournette, I don't see him being a running back that's dependable and healthy every game. I, I just still see that guy that's always banged up, got a tweak in his ankle or something. I mean, it's just always something with him. What do you think about Fournette? Yeah, uh, I could see that, but if he can stay healthy, I mean, God has built him to to run the ball and be a run. I mean, that dude's a freak of nature, and if he can fix some things, I think he'll be a good running back. I mean, he's a big dude. Um, he can run over people. He has pretty decent speed. I I think he could do well. As long as he stays yeah. healthy, well, which is well, a big stay right here. We've got a we've got the five one six area code joining us. Uh, welcome to Weigh In Sports. Who's this? Hey, hey, my name's Jesse. How you doing? I'm good. What What do you want to discuss tonight? Um, I'm gonna go ahead and mute this stupid idiot. Yeah, I don't even know. Tony, am I right? 
he's he's thinking too hard on what he's going to try to make an ass of himself. Yeah. So good, good call. Here it is, guys. Five one six four five one eight eight four nine. That's five one six four five one eight eight four nine. Give the give the guy a call. We call him out, baby. We call him out. I've got good instincts here, and uh, I've got real good instincts. And and I know he's probably in his mother's basement right now. I get it. I get it. The the, the hurricane coming and the basement flooding. Do what? That's why I took my ear from the phone. When I first heard him, I'm just like, all right, I don't want to hear this. Here <laughs> so we go. Just... Yeah. And, and <laughs> so hey, 516, if I'm, if I'm wrong, buddy, I'm wrong. But, man, you can't sit there for 10 seconds and, and try to get something out, man. I'm going to go ahead and remove it's you ca- from it, the studio. It, it's called experience. We have been on Blog Talk Radio <laughs> for years. We know when it's coming. And we're, we're yep. usually right. And we usually regret that we didn't do exactly what you did, Tarvin. So you did good. Well, mo- yeah. well most, of these new call- most of these new numbers are all trolls. That's why, <laughs> That's why I take my <laughs> yeah. ear from the phone pretty much every, to- every time one calls in. <laughs> well, guys, I'm going to hang up and call right back in. I, just, I don't feel like I have a good connection. Do you all hear me okay? You're doing you good fine. now. A lot better okay. than earlier. Okay. A, a little bit well, earlier, I you know were cutting out. I heard what you were saying, but you okay. got a better connection now. Okay. All right. Well, well, my Panthers started out today 1-0. You know, Cam Newton, everybody questioning him. Everybody talking about the Niners were going to beat them. Even that guy on your show today, Sonny, calling in wanting fantasy advice between Dalton and Cam. Yeah, Cam Newton came in. He had an okay day. I mean, he, he went on the road. Yeah, he's only thrown two passes since last year in any kind of live game. And they, they did pretty good. I mean, what, 23-3, to a road win over the Niners. Everybody was thinking the Niners were going to be better. Maybe they are, but um, very impressed, Sonny, today with the defense of Carolina and just getting it done, you know, using their, exactly. their weapons they have just to, just to get it done. That's what they did. Exactly. If you're the Carolina Panthers, this is not the strongest game that you're going to have to deal with in 2017. But this is a game if you are going to bounce back and get back to the playoffs, this is the game that you win. Now, granted, it's week number one. I don't care if you win by one point in week number one in the NFL. Okay? You've got to win the game, first of all. So you can, you can talk about dominating performances and stuff like that and put that on the back burner, and we'll talk about that in week number three. But week number one and week number two is about getting victories, not about how you get the victory. So that having been said, Cam, I mean, Cam Newton, you know, I'm expecting the Carolina Panthers to win that division. And why is that? Because there are no expectations for the – Panthers to win right now. Okay, they saw what happened last year, and they think that they're still underneath the hangover of what happened last year. I'm going to tell you right now, we're talking about a team, if you forget last year, there's a a team in two years that rolled over and and, uh, rolled over other teams, and they won seven, eight games in a row. Guess what? 
They get the opportunity to do that again because no one's going to be watching for them. And I think they're going to come out of left field. That's the reason why they uh, that I picked them to win this division. And not only yeah. that, that game was a good victory for them today because you, you got to remember, new coach with Shanahan over there and everything else, you got to go in there and you got to put a, a, a punch in on them, and they did. Yeah, they did. And they, they didn't do anything. And what I liked about it is, it was just a, a kind of a, a lunch pail blue collar game. They they came yep. in there, they ran the football okay, they they controlled the clock, they they moved, they got some first down, they did turn it over twice, but at the end of the day, that Carolina defense looked like Carolina's defense from two years ago, and I think yep. you know the offense, Cam Newton's coming back. He was still fourteen to twenty five. That's not a great percentage, but 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 let's be honest with you, his first game back after after surgery getting over 50% with a win, that's not bad. But but I just yep. want to see how Carolina evolves. And, and you know, the first step of coming back is to, to win on the road, to beat a team you're supposed to beat. They were supposed to beat yep. the Niners, and they did. That's the key. They beat them. You got it. And it doesn't and matter how they look. That because, because, you know, last year they weren't doing that at all. And, well, we saw that starting week number one last year. Yep, and this—I uh, mean, you just got to win. I like—I like Carolina to win this division because of their defense, and I yep. think—I think the balance that of the quarterback Cam Newton with the the receivers and McCaffrey there and and Jonathan Stewart, those guys can 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 actually play some football. So I like them. But here, here's the stink of the day, guys: is how bad, honey, is the how bad are the Indianapolis Colts? My God. Yeah. Hey, I called that. Hey, I called this, okay? I was on the show, and I asked Squervo. I said, can we finally say that, you know, Andrew Luck is maybe not necessarily a bust, but a guy that you can't depend upon? Because what has happened? The first two years, he was magnificent. We haven't heard from from Andrew Luck since, okay? And guess what? We're not going to hear from him for a while this year as well. So that having been said, when you're the Indianapolis Colts and you're starting off week number one against a very, very what, – say whatever you want about the Rams. This is a weak football team, but they put a 45-burger up on your ass. That is not good if you're the Indianapolis Colts, regardless of if you're on the road or not. It gives you a lot of tells. And what is the tell the Indianapolis Colts have every year is their secondary. And they lit up the secondary like a Christmas tree. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you only get your quarterback throws for 128 yards and two picks. I mean, the Rams are not a very good football team. I mean, I could see them beating you 17 to six, but 46 to nine. I mean, yep. I mean, that's bad. And what a great week for for Jeffrey Goff to go in there. And this is what the Rams should have done last year. Let him get in there and get his feet wet. Now, granted, he did get some games at the end of the season. That did help him. So he could kind of get the speed of what's going to be coming at him in week number one. All right. Goff, actually, 21 of, uh, 21 of 29, 306 yards and a touchdown. I'm going to tell you, if he has that kind of performance all year long, we may be talking about the Rams on the outside looking in, trying to get a wild card. Because guess what? Yeah, the Arizona Cardinals not look there. like the Arizona Cardinals of you know uh, fifteen years ago th- today. Hey, I'm very happy to see Jeff Fisher 
Quinn not on the sidelines for the Rams. I think it made a big difference that Fisher's gone, and it looks like the team has a different kind of identity now. Maybe I'm wrong, but after one week, the Rams have an identity. Well, I, their offense is probably better without them. And, and the, the Rams had a pretty good defense last year. Their problem last year was their offense. So if they can improve their offense, they might be a decent team. Yeah, they had some they had some big losses on the defensive side of the ball this year in the off season. So I, what I wasn't expecting was a good performance by the defense, but I was expecting a better performance on the offensive side of the ball. I, I, I expected them to win this game, and I picked them in this game, but I picked them by by three points. But for them to go out and do what they did, hey, that's a pretty good thing if you just start the season off in L.A. Yeah, exactly. Well, the last game before we get out of here, guys, is, you know, the biggest game of the day, or the, I guess the most glamorous game of the day, the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks. No surprise here, guys, that the Green Bay won at home 17-9. to Seattle can't play away from home. They're not good to start the season sunny. Uh, it's just the Seattle Seahawks, to me, they're not a very good offensive team. I mean, is Green Bay a powerhouse offensively to – to hold Seattle to three field goals. I mean, I walked. I came away yep. with this very under uh, underwhelmed with Seattle's offense. And I don't know how good they're going to be this year, but I don't think they're going to be that good at all. What? Well, and the, the problem is not their players. Okay. Well, yeah, they are, but it it it, it starts from the coaching staff down. Okay, you got that weasel Pete Carroll over there. Guess what? He's wearing out a welcome. He did it over in USC, and now he it, it, it was ending up happening just like a, it, it's a classic story. Um, you get the same thing. You've got the you know inmates running the asylum over there, and I'm going to tell you, and it has nothing to do with the uh, with the uh, social issues that are going on. But I think there's too, if you're a football team and you've got too much attention on it, it takes away from what's happening out on the football field. And they're a victim of that. I don't care whatever you want, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Bennett in Las Vegas, whether it be Richard Sherman uh, taking all the time, their focus is not on football, okay? And you can say whatever you want. In the NFL, it's not for long. And one of the things that you can ask any coach on the, uh, on the NFL level is, is what do you want from your football player? You want dedication. And right now they are not getting it from the two leaders on the defensive side of the ball of that football team. And guess what? What's happening to uh, Russell Wilson, he is going to be a victim of some of the things that are happening off the field. Not only that, the head coach of this football team and the coaching staff uh, they have no control over this football team, and that is where the problem lies. It starts with the coaching. You've got to get into your players and say, hey, it's football season. It's time to go to football. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have the social issues and the social things that they support, but when it comes to the NFL, you need to dedicate your life for 17 weeks in the regular season or it will, it will show out on the football field, and that's what we saw here today. Yeah, and I'm not a big Russell Wilson fan. I, I just don't think he's a great quarterback. He's a he's an efficient quarterback at times. He's not a game changer. He's adequate, but Pete, yeah, he's adequate. Pete Carroll to me is not a great coach. He he was good in college. He 
he was he was kind of like a movie star Quinn. You know, he'd like to be in the limelight, but at the end of the day, he's just an average coach. Uh, I wouldn't say average. Having success at the NFL and college level, I'd say you have to be pretty elite. But maybe I'm wrong. No, he had he had great players. I mean, he got a, he got some great he had a great defense, and uh, that's what happened in Seattle. He just kind of like the Ravens that year. They had a great defense, no offense. That's what Seattle had. And I think also on that, yeah, I go back to the players. I mean, you know, Pete Carroll's only going to be as good as his players. And, you know, if he doesn't have control of them, or the key thing I think in reality, I, I don't get it from Pete Carroll as far as his devotion to being a football coach. And I don't get it, um, you know, that in him. I don't get him that he wants to be that great coach. He wants to be remembered as that great coach. I, I just don't get it from Pete Carroll. I, I honestly believe when I look at some of the NFL coaches in this league, I look at Pete Carroll and I, I look at him as this guy is in it for the money. And it goes back to the glamour of what happens at USC over there, you know, in L.A. There's a lot of glamour in it. And when you're winning football games, uh, you, you get that glamour. So he had the glamour, but last year was a good example of this football team just dropping the ball on a lot of things. And they're not a complete football team even when they got the guys in there that make the team complete. There's something wrong there. And it, usually when you're seeing that next week, I don't know who they're playing, um, but I don't expect them to win because that performance today in Green Bay should have been a lot better, and it wasn't. And now, granted, they stopped Aaron Rodgers for putting a 40-burger on them, all right, but the Green Bay Packers' defense stopped your offense. That it, it, that right there has got to be a big concern if you're a Seahawks fan. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I came away a little underwhelmed with Green Bay, too. I mean, I just I, I watched too. them play, and, yeah, I mean, they just didn't impress me, really. Neither one of those teams really impressed me. That game was supposed to be the the big game of the afternoon. It wasn't. It, it was kind of boring. I mean, there were other games. It was, was. a lot more action. I took a nap. fell asleep. I, I no, I did yeah. fall asleep. Uh, but I woke up. At, I woke up at, right after halftime, and I saw a second half. That man, I wish I had something better to do at that time. <laughs> yeah, I know it, guys. Well, well, guys, I hate to cut this great talk off. I've had some fun tonight, but we'll try to be back on this week once this hurricane blows over us a little bit, and uh, hopefully the power won't go out. But we'll be back later in the week, and we'll definitely be back next Sunday night. Sunday, you guys are on next Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern time, correct? Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard. That is correct. Uh, for the next uh, 16 weeks, uh, we're going to be right on there. And then, of course, we have high school football on Thursday and Fridays this year. So watch out for that. So, you know, high school football, you got to love it. I'm in Texas, so we got to do it. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, all right, that's that being said with Sonny Clark and Cuervo, man, they're a great show. So if you want a good breakdown of the NFL, there you go, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Don't miss it. Guys, take care. God bless everybody. Stay safe in this weather. College you football stay safe, my is friend. In the you stay safe. Thanks, guys. We will. Take care, everybody. Bye.